0: You're listening to Eagles Unfiltered.
1: Eagles.
0: This podcast is powered by Eagle Maven of Sports Illustrated. Third down and one.
1: Hurts. He's in. First down and a touchdown. Here are your hosts, Ed Kraz and Connor Miles.
0: All right, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Eagles Unfiltered, powered by BetOnline.ag, the best sports betting website around. Go to BetOnline.ag, use promo code Believe 50 B-L-E-A-V-50, to get your initial deposit matched up to 50%, courtesy of Believe Podcast Network, who powers the show as well. Co-host Connor Miles, my co-host Ed Kras, as always. Ed, we're on the cusp. Of Jalen Hurts arriving. I truly believe it. You know, everybody's like, pump the brakes. It's two games in, relax. This is two games into the making of what he's was meant to become, in my opinion. Because if you look at the Eagles' last 12 starts, and this is including the playoff loss to Tampa Bay, which I was thinking about not including anyways, but it does. The Eagles are 9-3 and three in his last... 12 starts so quite point the literally literally quite the point of your franchise quarterback is to put your team in position to win i don't care how he does it the nfl doesn't care how you do it anymore ed they don't care if lamar runs all over you for 100 yards per game they don't care if kyler murray is dancing behind the pocket scrambling trying to create an acrobatic play they don't care if cam newton bulldozes you over to win an mvp This isn't the way the league works anymore. It's not Tom Brady. It's not Peyton Manning. You don't have to win that way. The Eagles didn't win that way. They won with the backup quarterback, Journeyman, who ran a Chip Kelly-style offense to win the Super Bowl. The NFL does not need you to be what Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Peyton Manning, Johnny Unitas, Joe Montana, so on and so forth were to win in this league. And Jalen Hurts is quite literally proving that to you these last 12 games. So for all those out there saying he has one passing touchdown, though, I want to see him get better as a passer. I mean, I don't know what you're watching against Minnesota or against Detroit, but I saw major improvements as a passer. But I see all those comments still. And that's why I wanted to start off the show with saying the point of the starting quarterback is to put your team in position to win. And Jalen Hurts has quite literally done so with a new coaching staff, young players, inheriting a team that was on the cusp of disaster. And he's been 9-3 in his last 12 games, and he looks like an MVP candidate already two games into the 2022 season. Um, Let's stop asking more from him and appreciate what he's doing because he's doing the most pivotal part of the game he's winning.
1: Uh, yeah. And listen, you know, you mentioned the one touchdown pass and, um, you know, it doesn't matter how you score. And Hurt said that after the game is it doesn't matter how you score as long as you score. So, you know, if he has 10 passing touchdowns and the Eagles run for, you know, 35 touchdowns, you know, what, what difference does it make? I mean, you're still scoring points and that that's really the bottom line. And uh, you know speaking of the bottom line, wins do matter you said nine and 13 in the last 12 games I mean that that's pretty significant and as far as my personal thoughts on hurts, you know i I I had always wondered what his ceiling was and you know I thought you know maybe we were kind of close to seeing that ceiling um at the end of last year you know depending on how he developed his game in the off season. but I, th- I thought we were close to that ceiling but now I'm really not so sure I, I mean I think he still has, you know, plenty of room to, to grow to that ceiling. Um, I mean, it seems like after every game, at least most games recently, Sirianni's asked, was this the best game he played? And Hertz has asked, is that the best game you played? <laughs> so, you know, you're doing something right when you're asking those questions and, you know, post-game press conferences. Um, yeah. I, I think that they don't win that game in Detroit without Hertz and every player on that team will say the same thing. I mean, you saw the Lions pile up, I think it was six sacks against Carson Wentz when they beat Washington last week. They only had uh, one against the Eagles. And, you know, a lot of that, you could say, well, the offensive line blocked, but a lot of it was Hertz's ability to keep the plays alive. And then on Monday night, he was under some pressure. You know, the Lions dared Hurts uh, to beat them from the pocket, really, is what they did. I mean, they tried to take away any space he had to run the ball and, you know, he, he still got a few yards That 26 yard touchdown. One was just, you know, you know, phenomenal run. I mean, he could have stepped out of bounds at the 15 yard line there, uh, like most normal quarterbacks would do, but he took a sharp left and continued on and then dragged a couple guys, you know, three or four yards into the end zone. I mean, that, that play was just phenomenal. Um, but you know, he's an unconventional quarterback. He beats you so many different ways. And, you know, he beat the Vikings with his arm and that's what the Vikings wanted him to try to do. And he answered that bell. I mean, he, you know, next gen stats put out um, a number, you know, one of the criticisms of Hertz was he didn't throw the ball between the so-called numbers part of the field, you know, that middle part of the field. He always liked to go outside, but He was 15 for 17 over the middle of the field, which is a career high for 228 yards. I mean, he was throwing the ball down the field in the middle of the field. So, you know, he answers that criticism. I mean, he just makes it so hard to defend him. And now, you know, listen, he's 23 years old. He still has to develop as a passer. And we saw him take a big step there because when he's 25, 26, if he's still in this league, still playing, it's not going to be as easy to run and pick up yards you know, the league just keeps getting younger and younger each year, obviously. So, you know, it's very important for him to show what he showed Monday and beat teams with his arm, because not only does that help in the short term, but that's going to help him in the long term if he does prove to be the answer for the Eagles. And right now, I would say he is the answer for the Eagles' long term success. And he's a future cornerstone of this team. If he's not already. Now, I think what we're seeing with the major improvements Joe
0: Jalen Hurts from what I'm seeing from these first two games and the All-22 showing us, which again, it hasn't been out for Minnesota yet, but it was out for the Detroit is, there's one thing that I've noticed about him and his <clears throat> demeanor, which this might sound a little bit surprising because he has one of the most common demeanors you've ever seen of any professional athlete in sports anyways, but his demeanor is so much more comfortable this year. He feels like he knows this system like the back of his hand. And I'll tell you right now why he feels that way. Zane Saitz and Nick Sirianni are his first offensive play callers that he's had for back-to-back years since high school. Like we that that alone cannot be taken out of context. It really can't. I'm trying to tell you guys this league is hard. I've seen very good quarterbacks fail with not with inadequate coaching. Look at look at Matthew Stafford when he was in Detroit, other than the Jim Caldwell years. Matthew Stafford was still good. He was still productive. He was still looking like the number one overall pick quarterback that the Detroit Lions selected. The coaching around him was just not inadequate. They were going through offensive coordinators year in and year out. You could use this example for anyone around the league for the top quarterbacks in the league. You know, Mac Jones is struggling in New England right now with their lackluster play calling with Matt Patricia and Joe Judge calling offensive plays. That's that's. He's going into his second year where he has a different play caller because Joshua Daniels went to Las Vegas. You know It takes a toll on offenses, especially the quarterback position. So to have this consistency for the first time in his career and to look this way when having said consistency, I mean, the guy's comfortable. He's out there doing – it's not just he's taking off and running anymore when he feels the need to run. He sat back 30 – that touchdown to Quez Watkins, Ed – That was the same play against the Carolina Panthers last year that he completely missed and he took off and ran. Or no, he threw it. No, he threw it, he threw it underneath. And Quez Watkins was naked downfield. Same exact play. This time around, he finds Quez deep, perfect pass, touchdown. A young quarterback will have growing pains. It's weird. We went through it with Wentz, but we don't give Hertz the same, the same leash. It's it's strange to me. Bonkers, yeah. but McNabb, McNabb, yeah. McNab, you know, this Philadelphia city had a hard time grasping with his development too. You know, he was doing a ton of stuff with his legs. It wasn't so much through the air, but the main reason being is because the Eagles didn't have the weapons through the air for him to look good. You can make the same argument for Hertz. You know, Goddard and Smith were there last year. That McNabb would have killed for those guys. I do understand that. So would have Wentz. But you still had a first year play caller, a first year coaches staff that was still trying to get his footing in the NFL. And they were never coaches. They were never had coaches before. They were never play callers before full time. Look at the look what you're getting and the progress you're getting. And everybody's always like, two weeks in, two weeks in. Let's be casually optimistic. This is all stemming from what they started last year, though. So, of course, I'm excited. Of course, I'm excited. I, why wouldn't I be? Jalen Hurts is turning the corner, and the main reasons being is because he's comfortable. He has the same play callers. They upgraded the weapons around him. He has actually faith in these weapons. He doesn't have, you know, no offense to Jalen Rager, but he doesn't have Jalen Rager, Greg Ward that he's relying on to make plays. He's relying on AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, a developed Quez Watkins. I'm not surprised he's looking this way when everything else around him is falling into place as well. Not.
1: Yeah. I tell you what history. I liked what he did on Monday night, too, was um and it's ironic because you know James Harden, the Sixers point guard, was in attendance. And uh, you know, along with a lot of other celebrities Monday night, it was just a you know, just an electric atmosphere that game. Um it, it, but you know, he hurts looked like a point guard. He looked like James Harden distributing the ball um in his prime, Harden's prime, but He used eight different receivers. He had four receivers with 69 or more yards. I mean, I asked Hertz afterward in the post-game interview area if this is the way the offense is supposed to look. And, you know, I can't remember what he said, but to me, this is the way the offense is supposed to look. You have weapons that you need to get the ball to. You know, you don't want to be selfish and running the whole time. And now he 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 isn't. He He's running when he has to, but he's using his weapons. At least he did for one game against Minnesota. He distributed that ball like an NBA point guard. You know, Brown had five catches. Goddard had five catches. Smith had seven catches. This is what you're supposed to do in this offense. And when we talk about a potential 1,000-yard pass catcher in this offense, I'm not so sure we're going to see one, but I think you might see, like, you know, three guys over, you know, seven, 800 yards each, which, you know, that's pretty good too. So uh, this to me is what the Eagles want the offense to look like. Jalen Hurts playing point guard and getting it out to his weapons. And he did it, you know, he couldn't have done a better job than that, than what he did on Monday.
0: It'd be crazy if that projection you have comes true, because if it does, Jalen Hurts is probably going to be the franchise leader in passing yards
1: at the end of the season, if that comes true. Yeah. I mean, there's only been one 4,000-yard passer in the history, and that was Carson Wentz. Now, Donovan McNabb probably would have done it back in, you know, whatever year, maybe 05 or 04 when he was at 3,900 yards, but they sat him for the last two games because they already had the number one seed in the playoffs wrapped up. So that's kind of a skewed number. That would be McNabb, and it would probably be like 4,300 yards. Uh, But as it sits, I think it's Wentz with Mm 4,039, the only 4,000-yard passer. And, yeah, we could see uh, Jalen Hurts with 4,000-yard passing and maybe, you know, 700 yards rushing. Um, yeah, that would be a phenomenal season if he does that. And then, you know, you throw the touchdowns that he's going to account for on top of it. And then, yeah, maybe we're looking at, M- at an MVP.
0: What do you think about all this talk out there that everybody's trying to tell you to pump the brakes, though, or, you know, let's let's sure. relax running only two games in? I mean, that's fair. It is – I, yeah, I will fair. say it's a fair assessment. You know, sure. we see Nick Foles be fool's gold once. You know, we've seen these quarterback performances that do bust, but from a 24 year old starter that, you know, is the, mo- like you say, he's the most unconventional quarterback the Eagles have ever had. Ever. I, I know, I know what Michael Vick was. When Michael Vick, you know, he could beat you through his arm immediately. I think Joe Hurts is the most unconventional quarterback they've ever had. Yeah. Randall could be in that conversation too. Uh, right, Randall, they could. You. I mean, I, again, incredible weapons, but Jalen yeah. Hurts still coming into his own. I, I, I plus, I mean, I'm sorry. I I like Vic, and I know Randall was a huge body quarterback. It was tough to bring him down. But the way that that Jalen Hurts ran for that rushing touchdown that you described earlier in the show, that was Cam Newton. Like three guys were tackling him. Yeah. They couldn't bring him down. Yeah. Like that unconventional.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I get why people say pump the brakes. I mean, it is weak too, but it's good to see that he can do it. You know, I mean, Yeah, there'll be times he'll struggle this year for sure, I would guess. I mean, the law of averages says he will. But it's nice to see that, yeah, I can do it. I can complete 83% of my throws, the highest completion percentage in a single game by an Eagles quarterback since Nick Foles in 2018. Um, So it's nice to see, yeah, I can do it. I can get the ball out to my playmakers. We saw it, okay? We know that he can do it. That's what's exciting about this is – He's shown that he can do it. He has shown that he can make plays both with his arm and his legs now. So, you know, that's what's exciting. Now, it is only week two. I get it. Let's see if he can continue to be consistent with that, continue to strive for that ceiling, which I don't know where that ceiling is at this point. I thought he was close to it, but I'm not so sure now. So that's what you get excited about. But you temper it with saying, okay, it's 15 more games to play let's hope he can stay healthy. We saw him hurt the ankle in the pocket against the Giants last year in the end of November. Wasn't the same quarterback for over the last 5-6 weeks of the season. Comes into the post-game interview room after losing to the Bucks in the playoffs wearing a walking boot. A couple weeks after that, he has surgery, so you know that that was a pretty serious injury he had. So, you know, that's the hope is that he can stay healthy. It's a long season. He's taken a lot of hits. He's a strong kid, 23 years old, 6'1", 225. I mean, it looks like he he can absorb the blows. But, you know, you hope the accumulation of those don't add up and start to impact him, you know, in November, December. I think the problem with me is
0: the most about this uh, pump the brakes talk is it's always coming from the people that are the most loudest with their criticism, but not with their credit. That's the way to put it. Because you ask him to be more accurate. You ask him to pass the ball more. You ask him to look more as the quarterback role. And then he does that. And then you're saying pump the brakes. Like that's, that's why I don't, that's why I'm not liking right now. Cause he's trending in the upwards direction. Now, of course, what you say is correct. This is a long season. There's 15 more games. He's going to struggle at some point. Every quarterback does. He's going to be no exception to the rule. But if you look this way, Look how Carson Wentz started off 2017, and we all said nobody – we didn't – the Eagles fans, if Eagles fan base, Eagles media did not say pump the brakes. It was everybody on the outside looking in saying pump the brakes because Carson Wentz was still an unknown from North Dakota State. He had an off-and-on rookie year. He was looked the part of the franchise quarterback. Philadelphia knew it. Outside looking in, they told everybody to pump the brakes. And that ended up being foolish. So, yes, it's only two games in. But to already tell people to pump the brakes and calm down, you did the same thing in 2017. And look what happened. This team is playing as confident and has that swagger of that 2017 already in two games in. And I'm telling you right now, the Minnesota Vikings, in my opinion, are winning the, the NFC North. That wasn't a fluke game against the Packers. That wasn't a week one Packers normal uh loss like they've been doing those last couple of years. To me, that was complete domination. I think Minnesota's a better team than Green Bay. So you're beaten. A playoff team, and you also beat the team that is going to fight tooth and nail for their head coach. And I would be shocked, shocked if they finished under 500 the way that that roster is fighting for their coach. So, yes, you can pump the brakes per se, but you should also be excited as well because this team and the way they're playing and the way that the quarterbacks playing it looks the same as their Super Bowl winning team a couple of years prior.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and. You know, there's two parts to that Monday night win. Obviously, hurts. And then the second part is the, uh, the defense. I mean, Darius Slay, uh, you know, he's 31 years old. He played like he was a 22-year-old rookie, uh, shutting down Justin Jefferson, um, intercepting Kirk Cousins twice, breaking up a career-high five passes. You know, he was named the NFC Defensive Player of the Week uh, on Wednesday morning, and deservedly so. I predicted it would happen. I mean, really, it's just an amazing game from Darius Slay and the defense to me was much needed as far as Jonathan Ganning goes, right? We, you know, he was on the hot seat after giving up 35 points uh, against the lions in, in week one. And uh, he comes out and he played his defense. He deployed his defense in a different manner than he did in Detroit. He had his cornerbacks and we talked about this, Connor, Uh, after you know on a podcast last week after the lions game as he played his corners you know six yards off the line of scrimmage against the lions you didn't see that against the vikings he he had slay and maddox and uh james bradbury who bradbury's you know very underrated here i know he had to pick six but he's playing very good in pass coverage i mean you could make an issue that he can't tackle as well as you'd like, but um, he's covering receivers and Gannon had his corners in the face, you know, right in the, in the face mask of those Vikings receivers. And that was something different. We saw him do a good job disguising coverages with his safeties, giving them a, a single high once a double high, you know, a two high another time and then different doing different things with his coverages out of that. Um, they tackled better. Uh, he blitzed a lot more. He blitzed 15% of the snaps against Detroit. 33% of this time he was blitzing against the Vikings. I mean, that was the aggressive defense that fans want to see. And there's no reason for him to de- deviate from that now that we've seen what how successful that can be. And now you're going to play a quarterback in Carson Wentz who doesn't have the mobility that he had pre all these injuries he had. So he's just like Kirk Cousins. He's not going to give you a lot in the run game or the mobility, you know, he can keep plays alive still, but he's a guy that's going to be rooted to the pocket and you got to bring him down and you got to come after him. You have to make him uncomfortable. We've seen what pressure can do to him. We saw what it did to Claire Cousins and there's no reason for Gannon to deviate from that. But I think this was a great bounce back game from the defense for Jonathan Gannon, even Fletcher Cox, who fans were saying that he was cooked. I thought he played very well. Um, so, you know, I think the weather, the temperature was a little cooler Monday night. Players weren't as gassed. They got off the field on third down, which was important. They didn't do any of those things in Detroit in a hot, stuffy atmosphere. So this was a good game for them, and now they have to keep it up. They're going to go to Washington. They're going to be outdoors at one o'clock in the afternoon. I don't know what the weather's going to be like, um, but this is the third week of the season now. Football shape. They should be getting into football shape. They should be tackling better. And Gannon has to stick to the scheme that worked against Minnesota. You can't go back to what he did against the Lions.
0: No, absolutely not. Not against that Washington offensive line he's going to have. They just signed their starting center off the street yesterday. Nick Martin, he's going to be their starting center the, this week against that interior of Eagles defensive line. There's no excuses. They have to play the same way that they played against Minnesota. They have to put pressure on Carson once. They have to force him to turn over the ball, who has been very turnover prone. Early in his tenure with Washington, already, I I think the Eagles win handily. I mean, we'll get into that a little bit in later last of the week when we discuss our, our uh, preview show. But um, if I'm Jonathan Gannon, I'm sitting back there like, hey, I was criticized a lot for how I played against Detroit. The it seemed like Nick Sirianni was you know nudging me throughout the media that I need to step it up. So I'm going to go out there I'm going to go against my former team that I was an assistant coach for in Minnesota where we established a great Mike Zimmer culture. I'm going to shut their offense down. I am. I'm going to shut down their best playmakers. That's what he did. Yeah. Hats yeah. off to, yeah. Seriously. Hats off to uh, Jonathan Gann in the front seven. I mean, one thing I will say about Jonathan Gann before I give him all this credit is, is enough with the Red and coverage, man. Come on, man. Like, I saw Reddick on the tight end. I saw Reddick on Jefferson. Like, enough of that, man. We don't need to do that anymore. You brought him in the yeah. pack. Get her after the passer. Uh,
1: I don't get it either. I mean, they should be lining him up all over the formation left, right, middle, wherever, and just bringing him. Let him rush the passer, man. Come on. Let's go. That's what he was brought here for. He had 23 and a half sacks the last two years, double digits. He's got zero. After two weeks, I mean, it's time to get that guy on track and you have to find a way to do it if you're Jonathan Gannon. So, yeah, as good as a game, a bounce back game as it was for Gannon. Yeah, there, there's definitely Those things for him are to improve on, no doubt. I mean, by far, the defense and the offense aren't finished products. I mean, no. they got to get better at it. And I want to see Reddick get more involved. Um, And hopefully as the weeks go by here, he gets a little more comfortable with what he's doing. Um, But, yeah, he can't coverage is not his uh his strong point um you know you got to bring him and i don't know what the percentages were of him rushing versus him pa- uh dropping in the coverage I, you know uh well, he's
0: definitely rushing more but i mean if, yeah. if he's dropping to coverage more than three times a game that's bad
1: let's, yeah.
0: let's just put that out there let's not ignore well, the snap counts nor everything like that if he's dropping coverage three, more than three times a game it's bad because the defense is going to pick on him because he's a horrible coverage awful yeah. shouldn't be coverage after the passer but TJ Edwards, huge bounce back game from him. Avante Maddox, incredible bounce back game from him. The fact that Jonathan Gannon was able to limit Justin Jefferson to 48 yards and Dalvin Cook. Let's not forget that they they kept Dalvin Cook in check all night. That was no easy task. Right. They faced a much lesser running back last week in Swift, who gashed them and they go up against the top five running back in Dalvin Cook and completely shut him up. Like that, to me, that Jonathan Gannon, that performance right there, because at the end of the year, when teams are looking for hedge coach candidates. When they see a coach that was able to stop a Sean McVay offense with a veteran quarterback like Kirk Cousins, who puts up thirty th- thirty thirty plus touchdown passes a year, four thousand plus uh passing yards, you know, he is one of the top quarterbacks in the league, regardless of his Monday night football or not. Because I like I said in the pod last week, Monday night football Kirk might show up and he did. But to be able to shut down that offense, a high octane offense the way that they did, I mean. You got to get, get credit where, if like I said, like I just said for Jalen Hurts, if your criticism better be as loud as your credit, you got to get Jonathan, credit, Jonathan Gannon credit because he shut down one of the most prolific offenses in the NFL. Like that's, that's If you can continue that going forward, I'm telling you right now, Ed, look around the NFC. Not many teams are looking as complete as the Eagles right now. Now again, very early. And I don't like talking like that. But it's very early. I still think, if I had to do power rankings for the NFC, I'm still putting the Bucks first, Rams second. The Eagles are up there though. But from a so complete Eagles third? Is that what you're saying? Eagles third? I'm putting Eagles third. I am putting okay. Eagles third right now, yes. But from a complete team standpoint, the Bucs aren't aren't the Bucks' offensive line is shot. Tom Brady's not going anywhere from that pocket. Their offensive line is shot. If your defensive line by the end of the season, because when it comes to playoff time, you're probably gonna be playing the Bucs again. If it comes to playoff time, your pass rush better be looking the way that it's has the potential to be because Tom Brady's not going anywhere in that pocket and he also doesn't have Donovan Smith and Ryan Jensen anymore or Ali Marpet so that's huge right there the rams are they can't run the ball at all you're not you can easily force the rams to pass which they prefer to do anyways but if you make the rams one dimensional and you get Matthew Stafford to turn the ball over because when they're one-dimensional, he does turn the ball over a lot. You can beat them. You can't. And their defense isn't the same as last year either. They're missing Von Miller. Uh, I'm just saying, I mean, this team is looking complete. It's just not playing to its full potential yet because that pass rush, even though they got after a little bit, I think they could have got after Kirk a little bit more. They have to get after once a lot if they want to force turnovers and beat the, beat Washington handily. Yeah. This defensive line, this front seven, has to play for its potential for the Eagles to be in Super Bowl contention now. It has to, and it has not yet so far.
1: And I think it will. I think they took a step forward this week. I mean, that's what it's about, right? Week two. From week one, they took a step. Now you hope they take another step week two to week three, and you just keep taking these steps upward. They're
0: taking a massive leap against Washington. That offensive line is nowhere close to being adequate enough to take on the Eagles' defensive line. It's not.
1: Yeah. Well, listen, the Eagles did a good job. Making the Vikings one dimensional. They only ran the ball, what was it, 11 times? Uh, 12, 11 times. Couldn't get in. No production. No production. No production. And you credit the offense too. The offense comes out, boom, first drive, seven nothing. First play of the second quarter, boom, 14 nothing. So right there, now the Vikings are like, okay, we got to throw the ball a little bit more. They kind of came, probably came out of their game plan way too early. Rookie coach Kevin O'Connell probably abandoned the run too early. Should have stuck with it uh i okay. think i mean the eagles gave up a buck 81 in detroit on the ground they only gave up 62 here in philadelphia to the vikings I and mean, that's that's a massive massive improvement but some of that credit goes to the offense for taking the lead another piece of it goes to kevin o- o'connell for abandoning the run um but yeah the eagles did a good job shutting it down when they did i mean dalvin cook 17 yards i mean that i don't know if that's a career low or not but, but you know hopefully it is because if you're lower than that close that's pretty bad. I mean, seventeen yards is is pretty ridiculous for a running back the caliber of uh, of Dalvin Cook. So uh, you know, on the other hand, the Eagles' you know their run game. I mean, it, it, they feel like you could you know roll out of bed and run for one hundred and twenty yards with this Eagles running game. I mean, that and Jalen Hurts is a big reason for that, of course. But you know, they put all up Sanders. Their, That's up all, Sanders. Yeah, I mean Sanders is off to a really good start. He looks really good. And you know, the Eagles had 216 yards rushing in Detroit. They put up another 160 against the Vikings. You know, they were the number one running team in the NFL last year, and they just picked right up where they left off. Like I said, they, they could roll out of bed and run for 120 yards, I think, every game. So um the Eagles stuck to their, you know, to their running game. They stuck to the running game in Detroit, too. So you know that's the key for them. They like to run the ball, and that makes Hurts even more effective because now you're running a lot of play action stuff. You're freezing those linebackers and those corners. Even when you hold the football out here like this, like Hurts does, you know, off to his right, and a running back still three yards over, and you know he's not going to hand off. Still, linebackers and cornerbacks have to freeze because they might run it. You never know. So, you know, that just helps Hurts become even more effective in the run game and the pass game when they're able to run the ball like that.
0: Want well, to know what unit doesn't get enough credit for the Eagles? So we got on the show real quick and discuss them I, I think it's the special teams michael clay hats off to him has done a great job so far two games in but i mean this yeah. special team units gets after it you know uh, i know the caliber player jalen rager has looked so far in the nfl i get it but if you don't think he wanted to take one of those punts to the house more than anyone especially after hearing all those boos you're mistaken. They got after him quick. And he's done it before. He has. He's had some great returns before in his career. But I mean, this special teams, not even just against Minnesota, but against Detroit, with the Zach McPherson had a play and uh Britt McCovey be able to corral that punt in when Zach Pascal's breathing down his neck on his own teammate. I mean, this special teams unit, Michael Clay, this year, like hats off to those guys. they are look really, really good. Kayvon Wallace. I mean, this special teams unit has some players on it, and they're looking pretty good darn good this year at
1: yeah zach mcpherson nfc special team player of the week after week one he made a nice tackle as the gunner against rager against the vikings but you don't want to see them get a field goal blocked i mean patrick peterson came untouched off the edge there and that could have been a huge momentum changing play in the game and it looks like boyd who scoops it up is going to run for a touchdown and here comes aaron sippus the old rugby player from australia a punter. And I asked Nick this, if he knew he, if he knew Sippus had the jets to be able to run down a cornerback in the open field, he saved the touchdown there with a tackle from behind and, and Sirianni like, you know, he doesn't get to show his jets very often in practice. So he didn't know he had those kind of jets, but man, I'm going to be in the locker room this week and I'm going to talk to Sippus about running him down. So um, you know, I can yeah, one hell of a
0: play that, by him. Me, that was that is one of Eagle. the
1: biggest plays of the game. Um, because if he doesn't save that touchdown there, it's 24-14 with over three minutes to go in the third quarter. Plenty of time. The Vikings have the momentum, they have life. <laughs> But then on the third play after that, Avante Maddox climbs the ladder and picks off Kirk Cousins inside the 20 yard line. Just a great play by Avante Maddox. Another very underrated play in that game. You know, Slay got all the headlines for his game, but Maddox made a great pick there. Sippus made a great play running it down. But, you know, as far as special teams go, you never want to have a field goal blocked. And I don't know if Mike Clay is going to talk to us this week. Uh, I've seen the schedule. They only have the two coordinators, the offensive and the defensive coordinators scheduled. I don't know if Mike's going to talk, but. I hope he does, because I want to know what happened on that play. Peterson, nobody blocked him. Nobody touched and, him. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I, and, and then uh, what about the kick return game? I mean, Quez Watkins is not the answer back there. I mean, the Eagles man. had horrible field position in the first half. Their best starting field position was the 23-yard line on, I think, five possessions. They started at the 18 twice. They started at the five. Watkins can't get the ball to the 20-yard line, and the Vikings were pooching it to him in the corner daring him to bring it out and he couldn't he he tiptoes into the traffic area I mean you have to find a better kick returner in my opinion than Quez Watkins I would throw Kenny Gainwell back there and you know let's see what he can do I don't think he can do any worse than what Watkins is doing so yeah the special teams look great week one you know they did a good job covering the punts with with Jalen Rager you're right they didn't let him get started Sippus did a nice job with his hang time you know, forced a couple fair catches, making Rager catch the ball, which is something that, you know, we've seen him struggle with uh, when he was here in Philadelphia. But, you know, this, this special teams unit needs to figure out how Peterson blocked that so it doesn't happen again this the rest of the season. And they got to find a kick returner. They, Watkins is not the guy. I'm going to be honest. The Peterson
0: thing, I think, was, you know, they caught him off guard. So I don't think that you're going to see that routinely because –
1: not many corners
0: of Patrick Pearson's caliber are on field goal blocks. And he's fast. He's elusive still. I mean, he still has his speed. He did, you're right. He went completely untouched. Nobody put a hand yeah. on him. Yeah. That that to me could you could chalk it up as potentially of like not expecting a corner to burst off like that because most of these corners that are doing like the, the field goal blocks are your four string. So maybe just a, an awareness play, like, yeah, it'll be more heads up next time. Um, I don't think that's going to be a routine thing, but the, you're, you're right about the kick return thing. If if there's one critique, because I know everybody likes to make critiques of High Roseman in the city of Philadelphia, so if you guys want to find something that, because you're struggling to find stuff right now, uh, they did not do anything to help in the kick return game. They did The personnel is just lacking there. You could, you could say Gainwell. You could say other guys on the roster. I don't think they have a guy on the roster, to be honest with you, that's good enough to do kick returning. I don't. I really don't. Yeah. I, right, I, I, I worry yeah. about Gainwell because – you know, as much as I hyped him up, I still believe in him. Going to be a productive player for this offense. He's shown you he can. He's got to work on his hands. <laughs> I mean, the, yep. the, the perfect stat line for Jalen Hurts was completely ruined because he he's try, trying to turn before he makes the catch, and that's a young player making a, a a boneheaded play. That's not going to be Kenny Gainwell's career. That was just him trying to turn and make a run for it before he even had the ball caught. Yeah. That's what young players do all the time. Yeah, it happens. Yeah. But He's got to be more heads up. He's got to be more aware. And if you don't look that way already, I'm a little nervous to put you on kick return then. So I think <laughs> yeah. we're talking about what do the Eagles need to add at the trade deadline? Do they need to bring a pass rusher in? Yes. Do they need to add a running back? Absolutely not. I don't know why people keep talking about that still. That's that's ridiculous to me. They need to add a kick returner. That's what they really need. They need to find a kick returner. They, mm-hmm. I, I don't know where what team Andre Roberts is on right now. I think it's the Lions. It might be the Chargers. I don't know, but this guy seems to – or he might be on the Texans now. I don't know. One of the great kick returners in the NFL. He finds himself either getting traded at the trade deadline every year or he's a mid-season trade. Find whatever team he's on and trade for him. He's a great kick returner. He'd be perfect for this team. You're trying to make – your Super Bowl window is now. Your quarterback's on a rookie deal. Your team is complete. Your Super Bowl window is now. Make sure you're set at every single position because you're not a kick returner right now. He's correct with that. I think you need to get one.
1: Yeah, I mean, listen, in the scheme of things, how many kickoffs are you going to return each game? And if you know you have a good one back there, you're just going to boot it out of the end zone if you can. Now, it gets a little harder to do that if you're a kicker once the weather turns. You know, the ball gets a little heavier. It doesn't travel as well. So there are more kickoff returns. But I don't know. Have the Eagles, has Jake Elliott kicked one into the field to play on kickoffs this year? I mean, everything, I think he had six kickoffs or seven against the Lions. They were all out of the end zone. So, you know to me, if you're going to get one in a trade, you don't want to give up much. I mean, because you're not going to, oh, you know, you, you, you have like a one or two catch kickoff per game, maybe. Um, But when you have a weakness like Watkins, yeah, the other teams are going to exploit it. They're going to kick it to him. They're going to give a high kick and they're going to make him return because they know he can So, yeah, if you want to get somebody that can do it, then that puts a little fear into the kickoff team. And then they try to kick it out of bounds. They don't want to give it, give the guy a chance. But right now it's a, you know, it's a big weakness. And I wouldn't be surprised if Washington tries to kick it to him as well. Um, you know, maybe Gainwell isn't the answer. You talked about him with the hands there. Yeah, he's got to make that catch. And we saw him struggle all summer making catches, but that whole play was just the timing was off. I mean, why if you're Shane Steichen, why are you calling a middle screen, throwing the ball into traffic when you're, you know, there's seven minutes to go in the game, and you just want to, you know, keep the clock moving. You want to play safe. You don't want to throw into traffic. I mean, throw an out pass or you know, run the ball a little bit more, throw a screen off to the side where there's not as much traffic. I mean, that was just a bad, you know, Kenny Gain, Gainwell gets a big, you know, hand in the fault there, but I question that play call too. I mean, that was just like, what are you doing? Throwing, you know, do you watch your 25-yard line wherever you were? Why are you throwing it into the traffic in, in the middle of the field? You know, get get it outside, run the ball, you know, get make a safer play call than that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, game catching the ball and I always worry about him fumbling like they used him late in the game. And, you know, we saw him fumble against the Vegas last year, you know, against the Raiders at the end of the first half, it leads to another score for Las Vegas and the route is on. So I worry about his ball security. I worry about him catching it. But in the, in the, in the kickoff game, I mean, you can catch a kick to you and you know, you hope you can catch it. Nobody's around you, but then you have to hold it when you go into traffic. Um, yeah. Maybe Britton Covey can do it. Um, he's such a little guy though, you know, and, you wonder if he'd hold up in that role. I mean, he, he takes a beating in the punt return games, and I still really like him as a punt returner, um, which is an interesting situation because, you know, he only gets three practice squad elevations before the Eagles – any player only gets three practice squad elevations before you have to add him to the 53-man roster or he's lost to you for the rest of the season. So he's been elevated twice. They have a roster opening. I expect they'll probably elevate him again for the third time, and then they'll have to find a way to add him – to the 53-man roster and then by then Andre Dillard might be ready to come back off IR so you have to find a roster spot for him so you know a lot of a lot of moving parts here uh with this roster as, as the weeks go on
0: and we still got 15 weeks left of enjoying football for the Philadelphia Eagles I'm excited yep. I can't wait so that's going to do it for us we will be back later in the week to give our game preview against Washington it's going to be an exciting episode Carson Wentz against his former team the Philadelphia Eagles with the Washington Commanders Very excited. This team looks good, Ed. Joe Hunter is buzzing. 2-0. Time to be excited, guys. It's a good time to be a Philadelphia Eagles fan. Thanks for tuning in. We will see you next week. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, click or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Thank you for
1: listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.